Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn here and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and want you to know that we are committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so through a variety of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors who specialize in trauma and grief counseling. We also offer trauma healing groups throughout the year, which are Bible studies to help you to heal from trauma. And we work with churches across the country to help them form trauma healing ministries. You can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now, today I'm welcoming to the show a fellow author who I recently met at a conference. And when she spoke, I said, I have to have her on my show. Miss Katie Pistol is an award winning, multi published, best selling author and national speaker with a burning desire to share the message of Jesus. Katie loves to share her relationship with her horse, Scooter, as a metaphor of God's heart for relationship. Katie is also the executive director of Beautiful Brokenness Ministries and an award-winning teacher. And we're so excited to have her on the show today. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And it was so fun to meet you at the conference. Yes, yes. You know, it's an author community that I love being a part of. And I had the opportunity to meet so many believers like you. And so I'm excited to have you on the show and have our audience learn a little bit more about your story, particularly your passion for horses, right? And so if you could take us back to where that all began in terms of your love for animals and horses and how it actually relates to our topic of today for healing for trauma. Yeah, thank you. So I jokingly say that I've loved horses since I could see. I can remember being a very little girl and just loving them. And then when I got older and I could read, I read every single horse book I could get my hands on. As I've gone through this journey of teaching kids and you know writing books, 80% of girls in particular between the ages of 10 and 18 would identify the horse as their favorite animal. And I don't think that is any coincidence. I think that is a God-given desire for relationship. And Jesus, when I was 12 years old, revealed his heart for me through a horse. We were living in Africa. My father was in the State Department, so I grew up all over the world. But in Africa, my parents bought me my first horse. His name was Blackjack and I loved him. He was everything I'd ever wanted. My parents had become believers and they wanted me also to, to meet Jesus and, and join them as Christians. But my heart was full. I, I felt no need for Jesus. I had my horse and life was really good. My parents began praying that Jesus would show himself to me through this horse that I loved so much. And that happened in a very unexpected way. Blackjack contracted an illness called African horse sickness, which has a 97% mortality rate. So pretty much every horse that gets it dies. There was really nothing to be done. It's a virus. There's, there's no medication. There's no nothing. And so my parents suggested a prayer meeting. And because there was no other hope, I said, okay. So a group of 12 adults gathered around me that night and they prayed for me and they prayed for my horse. And when I raced out to the barn the next morning, he had been healed. He was standing there eating. The vet had absolutely no explanation, but I understood. I knew in that moment that Jesus is real, that he's powerful and that he's good. And horses have become for me this modern day sheep. I like 
sheep, but they don't make my heart go pitter-pat. Horses make my heart go pitter-pat. And Jesus helps me not just receive his love for me, but also help other girls recognize that, you know, they make God's heart go pitter-pat. That really becomes an opportunity for conversation. Wow, that's beautiful. And Katie, I can even sense from you sharing that, that it still touches your heart. You still get a little emotional uh, sharing that story. And and when God shows up in such a clear way, I love stories of when God does that, especially when we're new believers. We need to see it like yes. right there. Yep. It's clear right as there. day that this was Jesus and only Jesus. And There's no was. other explanation. Yep. <laughs> no other. And so I am grateful to hear that story. And for you in particular, I think when you talked about how Jesus was shown through the horse, it ended up going deeper over some time because you talked about when I met you at the conference that horses were used as a vehicle for helping individuals to heal from trauma. And I never heard of that before. Right. And so that's that's really what I'm interested in going into next. When did you begin to draw that parallel and, and talk a little bit more about what you learned? Okay. So my journey of incorporating horses into a, a therapeutic setting or a healing setting has been a third year journey in 1991. I had just finished my teaching certification and I had a little tiny riding school and I had a young student, I'll call him Timmy. He was 10 years old and he was coming just for horseback riding lessons. He only came a couple times because they lived far away and you know the summer was over quickly. And But in December of that same year, his mother called me and said she was asking for prayer because Timmy had tried to kill himself at 10 years old. He wound up in a, an institution for a couple of months and then into a, a school for emotionally disturbed children, which was not a good placement for him. He, he wasn't acting out. He was just deeply depressed and sad. So because I had just finished my teaching certification, I suggested that she bring him to me. So she did. So for the rest of the year, I had him from December until May. I just tutored him and he came to my house every day, Monday through Friday. He had a, a little mare that he loved that I had. Her name was Flicka. And I shared Flicka's story with Timmy. She was a rescue, so she had come out of, you know, neglect and abuse and, and pain. And, and he really resonated with her story. And then that made him feel free and safe to share his story with me. So I got to hear a little bit about what was happening in his life, which included bullying at school um, I also realized quickly that he couldn't read, which makes it very difficult to do anything when you're in fourth and fifth grade. I was able to help him on a lot of different levels. As I've gone through, you know, the years of uh, sort of pairing children with horses, I've started to understand some of the, the scientific stuff behind it. Like horses, because they are so perceptive, they can hear our hearts beating from four feet away. They can smell fear, pheromones that, that our bodies release when we're anxious. So when I'm helping a client or a student, we call them students here, be with a horse, often she is unaware of all of the, the somatic uh, changes that are happening in her body when she's anxious. And so that's often the first thing that horses help me do is they help me help my student identify the tenseness in her muscles, her rapid breathing, her inability to breathe from her belly instead of, you know, up high. And so it really helps her start to get some skill 
and awareness of how to relax, how to have control over her own body. And so the horse is an incredible partner in that way. What we do is we, we start to introduce the, the student to some ways of communicating with the horse, which give me a moment because it's not woo-woo. It's, it's all about understanding what horses need. And then that helps me understand the heart of the shepherd. So I'm helping this girl relate to my desire for this horse to be able to rest. The other amazing metaphor that, that God uses often is that horses are prey animals. They provide meat for predators and humans are apex predators. We are at the top of the food chain. And that law of predator and prey is an amazing analogy for the law of sin and death. And I'm convinced that both of these laws came into existence on the same day, which is the day that mankind chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you read Genesis, you'll see that Adam was given the, the wonderful responsibility of naming the creatures. And in Genesis 1.30, God says, Behold, I've given you every green plant for food. It shall be food for you and for every living creature. So in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, nobody was eating anybody in the garden. After we ate from the tree, I think that the, the whole creation divided into this new economy, this blood economy of predator and prey. So with that in mind, you bring this horse into a, a situation where you're asking it to, to be with us in a certain way. And if it does not believe that I have broken the law of predator and prey, it is, it is unable to operate out of anything but fear. For me, as a believer in Jesus, if I do not believe that Jesus has broken the law of sin and death on my behalf, I will be unable to operate as this new creation. It isn't a spiritual thing for horses because I don't think they have a spirit the same way humans do. I think that's how man was made in God's image is that we are a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. I think if you read John, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In order to be made in the image of a spirit, I think you have to be a spiritual being. So I don't think it's a spiritual thing for horses, but they do live out of their soul. So if you define the soul as that unseen place where the mind, will, and emotions live, horses live primarily out of their emotions, and their emotions are created by what they're believing in the moment. If I am believing in this moment that Jesus isn't sufficient for this moment, I will be anxious. If I in this moment believe somehow I have done something to be separated from Jesus, or, or if he's not even in the picture in my mind, I will be anxious. I sort of put these, these two people and horses together inside of a round pen, which is a 60 foot enclosure. And in my round pen, I have the fruit of the spirit. So love, I've got these signs. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the, the new operating system for the believer. And so when I bring the student into the round pen with the horse, I say, this is a, a metaphor of what it means to be in Christ. We are in his life. And so love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest are now my new operating system. And if I'm operating in a way that isn't consistent with these, I might be 
being influenced by somebody other than Jesus. And if I'm being influenced by somebody other than Jesus, I might have pain. I'm not saying that life in Christ is always pain-free, but I do find that the more convinced I am that we are in union, that he is in me and that I am in him, that even when life gets very painful, and it does, that I am still able to experience joy and peace and patience. And it's not because I'm making it happen. It's because I'm, I genuinely trust, just like I'm asking my horse to trust. And then I'm teaching my student to ask the horse to trust. I genuinely trust that Jesus has me. And what I want this student to recognize is that same feeling. I want her to help the horse know that she has the horse. And in that same time, she often experiences Jesus as her sufficiency. Wow, that's beautiful. And over time, what changes, behavior changes or um, emotional reactions uh, you might see changing as a result of them working through this program or this process with you? Yes. The, so the, the changes, I mean, it's a combination of, you know, talk therapy. I'm a pastoral counselor. So um, really helping them initially feel safe. The other way that God uses horses in this amazing process is often I wind up with teenage girls who want nothing to do with counseling. They're sick of counselors. They don't need to be fixed. They don't want to talk to anybody, but they love horses. And I don't have to say anything. All I have to do is dance with my little red horse, Scooter, with no ropes. I, all I have to do is climb on his back with no bridle, no saddle, and dance around with my hands in the air like I just don't care. And suddenly, they are interested in talking to me. So it really, it's the fastest way to break down barriers for, in particular, teen girls. That's just one of the many ways that creates change. It creates relationship, creates safety so that they feel free to then share with me what's really going on in their soul. That makes sense. And as a pastoral counselor, what are some other things that you've noticed are important? You talked about safety. You talked about relationship, obviously our faith. What are a couple other things you've noticed is important to help young people, teens or children to begin to heal from trauma? So I think too, recognizing that the trauma, so a lot of these horses have had terrible trauma. That's how they came to us. The trauma does not define the horse. And in fact, it is relationship with me that allows the horse to heal from the trauma. It is the horse's trust that I have their back, literally, that allows them to, to be who they are. And they will always be horses, right? I'm not trying to make them anything else. For the student to recognize that the trauma doesn't define them and that Jesus is the source of healing and it is relationship with him it is you know this growing trust this ability to connect with him that creates healing my goal for the student is to teach them how to have a relationship of their own with the horse so that i'm not you know the teacher constantly telling them what to do but then also helping them understand what relationship with jesus looks like when I was growing up, I thought relationship with Jesus meant that I went to church, which is good. It's good to go to church. And I read my Bible and it, that's good. That's It's good to read your Bible. But I never experienced union with him. I never understood how to talk to him or hear his voice 
The other thing about horses is that they are nonverbal. So you cannot use words to speak to them. You must use body language. And it creates this silent inner connection that helps students then connect because God's voice is often not audible. <laughs> he just sometimes sends an impression into my soul or my mind, or it's a thought that is just too magnificent for me to have come up with. But just like the more they hang out with the horse and learn what the horse needs, the more they hang out with Jesus in their soul, because he is ever present, right? He is never not present. So the more that becomes a new pattern of recognizing his presence, his omnipresence, and his sufficiency in each moment, that just grows day by day. That's awesome. Yes, I love that. And now I really want to spend some time shifting towards the name of your ministry. If you could share why you named it Beautiful Brokenness Ministry. Okay. And then, um, you know, what that means to you. So brokenness is one of those words, you know, as a counselor, you hear it all the time. People talk about their brokenness. For me, the way brokenness is beautiful is when I, I really believe, start to, it starts to matter in my life that Jesus has broken the law of sin and death. And the way brokenness is beautiful for my horse is when he really begins to live and walk in this truth that I have broken the law of predator and prey. My horse's primary need is safety. When he sees me not just as a safe place, but as the source of safety, then he is free to rest in a way that he can't rest even with the other horses because the other horses are not an authentic source of safety. The only safety the other horses can provide is what we call safety in numbers, which just means if there are 10 horses, you have a one in 10 chance of being eaten when the bear visits. But every time the bear visits, your chances of getting eaten increase until finally your lunch. So it's not an authentic source of safety. I really am the source of safety. So when anything scary happens at my farm, my horses run directly to me. <laughs> and it's such a cool picture of my ability to trust Jesus. So brokenness. The other way that we use this word breaking is the process by which you transform a horse from something wild to something usable that you can ride. So my picture of brokenness, like when I used to think about brokenness, spiritual brokenness, I would think that that's what God was doing. He was going to break me until I was useful to him. And that was really scary for me, but it sounded true. And I think that often is people's picture of brokenness is, you know, and I hear people say, God hit me upside the head with a two by four. And I'm like, oh, sweet one. I don't think God does that. So understanding that brokenness, the way it's beautiful, is that Jesus has broken the law of sin and death. And he did that through his own broken body and blood and sacrifice. But he didn't just stay on the cross. He didn't just purchase my forgiveness. He also rose from the dead and his dunamis resurrection power lives in me and in you if you're in Christ. And that is the power, this life, this abundant life is the power that we live from. If I don't know that, I may continue to believe that brokenness is about God punishing me until I behave properly and I will miss this beautiful love story that he has just for me. 
And we don't want to miss that. We don't. Yeah, we can't afford to. And so right now with your ministry and your book, you are, you've written eight books, girl. You've been busy. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've been busy. Yes. Talk a little bit about your latest one and any book in particular that you think speaks to the topic that we're covering today around trauma, healing, and the role your horses play in that process. Thank you. So Equine Assisted Discipleship is my most recent book, and it is a nonfiction reference book. The purpose of it is to define what equine assisted discipleship is. It's a new modality that I think I've created. I'm, there may be other people using it. I don't know. But we have a very specific way that we incorporate these rescued horses and these metaphors. So that's laid out as an overview in equine assisted discipleship. The other books that I've written are primarily fiction. I have a series of books for kids called the Sunrise Farm series. And my purpose for those books is to introduce younger kids, like eight to 14, although I have a lot of adult readers who love them also, but to this concept of relational God as opposed to transactional God or religious God. But this, this idea of, of rescue redemption and reconciliation. And the books are a little autobiographical because my heroine, her name is Jenny, loves horses more than anything. And she's, I call her a pew warmer because her parents make her go to church, but she rescues a horse and, and Jesus really helps her understand the heart of the rescuer through this horse that she loves. So the four books chronicle their adventures and they get separated and then reunited. And that's the Sunrise Farm series. I have another piece of fiction. It's called Jubilee, the Love Story, and it's an adult novel that actually won uh, the Genesis contest a, a while ago. And it's what I would call a contemporary Job story. It's the story of a, an old horse trainer who comes to the end of his life, and his understanding of God is very religious and transactional, and, and something happens that changes his whole understanding. And again, he's a horse guy, so horses are his love language. And then I have a couple of picture books for littles. That's my lineup. <laughs> That's awesome. And tell our audience where they can learn about your ministry, how they can support your ministry, how they can find your books, where would you send them? So beautifulbrokenness.org is my website. You can just go to the books page to check out all the books. They're primarily available through Amazon. I do occasionally have, you know, signed copies at home. So if people are interested in that, they can just contact me through the website. All of the proceeds from all of my books go directly to the ministry. So everything I do just provides for Beautiful Brokenness. That's great. Thank you so much, Katie, for being on the show with us today. Thank you. I, I really just appreciate learning more about this new modality to help young people and even some adults to heal from those painful experiences in their lives. Yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful. Yes. Thank you, Katie. And thank you all for tuning into this episode. I hope you are blessed by it just as much as I was. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review, share with a friend, and help us get this message out to the world. Also, if you are looking for healing resources, such as a Christian counselor, or you're looking for a supportive community through our trauma healing groups, visit our website where you can find out about all these resources and so much more at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. So that's it for this time. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family.